All right. Welcome back, listeners, to episode four of the Minnesota Values podcast. Representative Liz Olson here. And this is Representative Jamie Long. And we are excited to get rolling with another bill. We are going to be talking with the author of House File One today on our podcast. Our very first bill uh, brought to you by Representative Carly Katiza-Watoon. Yes. And so we'll be hearing more about issues impacting families and uh, kiddos and hear about the good work she's doing. But before that, we actually thought we could give you a little bit of a snapshot of what's going on at the Minnesota House and down at the Capitol now that we're about at the halfway point of session. And since I am but a mere freshman and we have our very own caucus whip here, I thought I'd ask Representative Olson to give us a little bit of a preview for listeners who may not be following the day-to-day about uh, what's going on in the session. So what does being at the halfway point mean? Um, Before we say that, I would like to note that Representative Long is also an assistant majority leader, and so he is someone that we can uh, ask our questions to and has a bit of a role within our caucus. Um, But being at the halfway point, we are in the middle of deadlines because we want to end the session on time and we want to do it in a transparent and engage the public along the way that we have deadlines that were put in place and agreed to by the governor, by the Senate majority, and by the House majority to make sure we do our work on time. So we're approaching our first deadlines now, which are our policy deadlines, making sure bills clear their first hurdle. Um, Then we'll move through that into our finance deadlines. And then from that, we'll um, continue to do our work with the Senate and the House and see things get uh, exchanged between both bodies as we come closer. So you'll see a transition from busy committee times right now and then in the next few weeks, we'll start transitioning to more time on the House floor. And then by the end of session, we'll be spending the majority of the time on the House floor as we pass bills. So this is my very first time going through the deadline process, and it's really quite something to have to hit all these hurdles at the exact same time for every single one of your issues that you're working on. So for those who are following along at home, what, what happens if a bill you care about doesn't get heard by this Friday? I mean, this is really it. If we want to maintain our transparent process and make sure that uh, the public knows what's going on, we we need to have our bills heard in the public and have our committees be able to vet them before they get passed on, whether they go as a standalone bill or if they become part of an omnibus bill, that this really is go time um, to make sure those bills get heard. So this is the time committees are meeting well into the night and getting a chance to hear as many bills as possible. So it's pretty typical if you're walking around here from eight in the morning until midnight that there's likely a committee going on right now. Yeah. And Representative Wilson and I are probably in one or more of those. Yes, we are. And as we transition to finance committees next week, another group of people will also be very, very busy. So the deadlines are not anything new. They've been around for sessions in the past. Um, But we have had sessions that have ended with big omnibus bills uh, that have a lot of things in them. And our our speaker is trying to avoid those and make sure that there is a transparent process. So she's uh, worked to have a few new deadlines. Could you talk about a little bit about the goal for what those are trying to do? Yeah, so it last session, I'm in my second term. So my first term, I saw what has now been referred to as Omnibus Prime, which was a uh, huge, huge 
huge omnibus bill that we saw land on our desks in the middle of the night and only a few hours to review before we had to vote on major policy, some that had never been heard in committee. And so just a really terrible way to govern and to legislate. And so in an attempt to stop things like that from happening, uh, Speaker Hortman had the good sense to put in place some deadlines and to stick to those so that we can have a chance to really vet, vet bills and do our work as legislators. So even after we clear the deadlines for the House and the Senate, then there will be leadership deadlines where they're going to be putting together uh, their goals for the budget, their goals for conference committees so that they can work those out. Right. So what we'll see now is each division, so our different uh, way our committee structures are set up, they will put together sort of their package of bills. We'll also see the budget targets come out now that we have the February forecast that we'll see each committee division get essentially what they can spend or what they have to cut um, in their area. And so they will then have to go back to work again and really think about all the proposals they've heard and all the funding requests that have come through and make some really t difficult decisions in the weeks ahead. And all of that will be done in the light of day, uh, in, in committee hearings and uh, conference hearings so that folks can follow along and make sure that their issues are getting heard and they can keep track of how the deals are being made. Exactly. And thank goodness for daylight savings time because that extra hour of daylight <laughs> at the end of the day makes the one more hour of committee work in the daylight before we sit in dark rooms uh, well into the night. But yes, our, our speaker has given a pledge and has really set these deadlines in place to make sure that we're doing the people's work in a way that the people can follow. So it's going to be an exciting few weeks ahead. So stay tuned. We are joined by Representative Katiza Watoon, author of House File One and the representative from 48B. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so can you tell us a little bit about the district you represent and so anything that people should know about you before we kick it off to the bill? Absolutely. Um, so I am Representative Carly Katiza Watoon. I represent District 48B, which is the majority of the city of Eden Prairie, the south side of Eden Prairie, and I am a first-term representative. Great, and we are excited to have you as House File 1 author doing some really great stuff for investments in early learners and families. I know this is important all across the state. Just today, I was on the phone with a daycare provider in my district talking about the CCAP rates and other things that would greatly help uh, families and, and providers all across Minnesota. But maybe to back up a little bit, can you tell us a little bit about the legislation you're working on? Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Um, so the Great Start for All Minnesota Children Act is a set of pretty comprehensive investments in early life uh, and learning um, for our children in Minnesota. And uh, we want to make sure that we're investing in prenatal care, for um, mothers as they go through pregnancy, specifically looking to stem some maternal mortality rates and discrepancies between racial and ethnic groups, uh, investments in home visiting for new parents to make sure that as they transition to parenthood, they're getting the supports that they need, as well as additional investments in CCAP, uh, making sure our provider rates are um, matching the federal conformity, as well as additional investments in scholarships. And can you just uh, say what CCAP is for listeners who might not know? Yes, CCAP is the Child Care Assistance Program. Great. And there's probably a alphabet soup of things as we dig into House File 1, so helpful to, to get back to the basics. Um, so can you speak a little bit more about the CCAP um, and what's the landscape around child care in Minnesota right now that is making this such a need to do something about child care reimbursement rates? Yes, definitely. We are in a child care crisis in the state of Minnesota, and there's never been a better time to make these investments. Uh, this is 
is a bold set of legislation and we're really looking to stem the crisis that we have right now. Families are having trouble finding care, not just in the metro area, all across the state of Minnesota. Parents are having to drive more than 30 minutes one way just to drop their children off at a quality daycare center. Um, they're just having a, a ton of struggles and it's a struggle for providers as well. We, we are losing um, providers, specifically pr- private child care providers. We hosted a field hearing um, with the Early Childhood Committee and the Jobs and Economic Development Committee in St. Cloud two weeks ago. And that was really wonderful to get out in greater Minnesota to hear from community organizations, to hear from parents, to hear from providers who are doing the best that they can. And there is a really fascinating short video that was shared there. And and ultimately, um, it kind of it's kind of a catchy little thing. It's, parents can't afford to pay. Teachers can't afford to stay in early childhood work. So public investment is the way. And that's where the Great Start for Minnesota Children Act can really help. Wow, that's really powerful. I think that sums it up well. Are there other pieces in the bill that would specifically address some of the specifically to child care centers and some of the what you were hearing there around shortages and providers that are having to close their doors? Well, a, a big portion of the issue is that the provider rates in the CCAP program specifically are, are quite low. And so it's, um, it's right now based off of the 2011 rate survey, I believe. And so this survey is run every every few years, but right now these these uh, reimbursement rates are based off of 2011. So almost a decade has passed, and so our providers aren't seeing an increase in that uh, assistance throughout through the program. And so it's really difficult for them trying to maintain the level of care and quality service that they're trying to provide to children and the, their families not getting reimbursed at the proper rates. And you and I have talked a fair bit about childcare challenges. Both of us have young kids. Has that kind of informed your experience in working on this? Yes, absolutely. So I am a new mother to three children, five and under. My husband and I are adopting out of the Minnesota State Foster Care System. And so we jumped into this world of early childhood literally overnight um, in the middle of last summer. And Right, you know, right now, I mean, we're, we are one of those young families who we're, we're paying almost twice our mortgage payment in childcare right now. And wow. so I, I feel a responsibility to the young families across the state of Minnesota to make sure that those stories are being told because it's this is unlike anything that we've ever seen before. Right. And we're asking families to pay a lot at a time when they're really just starting out in their careers oftentimes. Right? Absolutely. It's putting a big burden on them early in life. I want to talk a little bit about some of the other provisions in the bill. So you mentioned maternal mortality. I've seen some statistics that are really startling about Minnesota being kind of an outlier in terms of our maternal mortality rate, especially for women of color. Can you talk a little bit about that? That is correct. So specifically within our uh, Native and Indigenous community, there there are huge discrepancies um, for, for care, both access to care and then even um, throughout pregnancy, if, if they're having access to care, some of the issues that we're continuing to see are, are really startling, I would agree. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's, a, I don't think that most Minnesotans might know that, right? Might understand that in the state of Minnesota, we actually have mother who are dying in childbirth, right? And that there's a gap based on access to health care. So I think making sure that mothers have good prenatal care is a really important step, it feels to me. Yes, I would I would agree with that. And I know that um, Representative Dr. Kelly Morrison, who is one of our awesome members on the uh, Early Childhood Committee, who is right. an OBGYN, is, um, is carrying that portion of the bill and is just, she has great information and great experience um, from the from the medical field and insight to share. And then the home visiting piece seems, as a, I'm a big fan of that too, right? It's helping new parents understand how to make sure that 
they're taking care of kids properly. Why, why is that in the bill? Why is that so important? I think in general, when you're a new parent, uh, you're overwhelmed on a whole different level. You know, they say that there's never a good time to, to become a parent. And so people are just kind of taking the plunge whenever it happens for them. And I think having, having a scheduled visitor, whether it's somebody from your hospital system, um, whether it's somebody from your church or your work or through, through one of these public programs, I think it's just really important to have that consistency and to have a third party who, you know, may, may have more information that, that you, as a brand new parent, you don't know. And so just to share that it is a completely voluntary program. And I think that when people find out that it's available to them, they, they are excited about the potential to participate. And there's a lot of data about these really improving health outcomes, right? Yes. And one of the things that's been striking is to have this as House File 1 for our DFL House Caucus and happened to be a very snowy winter. And we had a lot of kiddos that followed their parents to work as legislators over the session. So to see these bills unfolding as we simultaneously parented our way through a a lot of cold and a lot of snow this year. But I think one of the the privileges of being a legislator when you work on issues like this is the stories you get to hear. And, And as a parent yourself, I'm imagining you've heard some pretty powerful stories. Is there anything that jumps out to you from your committee hearings or things that have been emailed to you that that really motivates you in this work? Absolutely. Just last week, Thursday, when we had our first public hearing of HF1 in our early childhood committee, we had um, two mothers come in. One spoke about the power of CCAP in her family experience, and one spoke about scholarships. And, um, you know, just some of the things that people are going through on a, on a day-to-day, month-to-month basis. Um, you know, you fall out of a decade-long relationship, and you're looking for work. And if you, you know, don't have um, quality care for your children, you're not able to find work. And I mean, s- some of these issues just kind of perpetuate a, a cycle that's just really, really unfortunate and oftentimes beyond anyone's control. So having these systems in place and having access to care for children allows parents, especially if they're a single parent, to go out and and provide for their family. That's great. We uh, like to end our segments with each of our guests by asking them a fun fact that they want to share that our audience might not know. So what is your fun fact, Representative Katiza Watoon? I grew up in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, which is the bratwurst capital of the United States. That, That is a fun fact. Do you have a favorite type of bratwurst? I just like the classic Johnsonville bratwurst. With sauerkraut? I do not like sauerkraut. Controversial statement. Or mustard. (laughs) Thanks for joining us so much, and uh, all your work is just fantastic, even if you don't eat sauerkraut on your brats. Thank you for having me, and and when the weather warms up, we can have a cookout. So Representative Wilson, we learned today that uh, Representative Katiza Watoon is pro-brat, anti-mustard, anti-sauerkraut, and you are pro-sauerkraut. Where do you come down on the brat-burger divide? Um, I like both. So I, I'm on a summer day, I would be happy to have either. I'm kind of a veggie burger guy myself. Um, I do like veggie brats, but, uh, <laughs> you're so South Minneapolis. It's true. <laughs> they, they'd kick me out if I was. <laughs> well, you know, what's one thing we can all agree on that house file one is a great piece of legislation and is going to do wonders for families in Minnesota. Absolutely. Well, that was our episode and please join us again next week. Thanks so much for listening.